You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today, let's talk the Savage Seven. Uh, we're talking uh, seven classes of tactics, not just seven single individual tactics here. Uh, this coincides with the release of our most recent uh, Black Box Project Volume, Volume 21, the Blackjack Score. There you go. Uh, again, if you're interested in uh, actually doing the physical applications, everything we discussed today, you know, wander over, this, over there to the store, have a look at uh, Raw 233 or a slash a Black Box Project Number 21. I'll put a link in there in the show notes as well if you want to take a look at it. If not, you can uh, bear along with me. So, um, Seven broad classes of things we work with here, at least I'll break it down just as we do as if we were doing the video presentation of it. Part one, uh, we were talking about unleaded conditioning, which is conditioning primarily that is done, you know, body weight, but it's not high reps, nothing like that, increasingly uh, upping the load. And yes, there will be uh, some smaller lights, uh, weights, the Sandow way that gets in there. But this particular time, we'll be talking about impact isometrics for some shoulder stability. Uh, now, old school pugilists and early, lots of early boxers use these. They recognize that the bucklers, which are your arms, pretty much the sword and buckler idea. And again, look at some of our past work. We, we covered that a good deal. They were subject to a good deal of impact. As a matter of fact, designated impact. Many fighters, I think Jack Johnson, one who pronounced most often on it, uh, and also um, uh, Mr. Blackburn, uh, a trainer of... Uh, uh, Joe Lewis uh, has designated a good deal of energy uh, into killing these bucklers. Uh, they, they knew that if the bucklers fall, they, they say you kill the arms, you get to the body. Now, impact isometrics were to aid in the bet making the arms less killable. They're aware that there's going to be these impact forces. Uh, sometimes you can even see some of these ideas pop up in some uh, obscure uh, exercise for Muay Thai, but primarily we're pulling from the old pugilist camp. And now, these, what's wonderful about these are there's basically just three drills that can be done every day with zero gear. Every day, you don't have to take it out. Zero gear in less than one minute. Treat it as a warm-up if you want, and it's always performed in a sport-specific position. So that's kind of cool. Uh, you, can, uh, you can see what some of these old-timers were doing for those shoulders you know, without weight. You're also going to be learning the concept while doing this. It's going to inform our next class here of the Savage 7. It's what's called Recognizing the Pull, which allows you to kill the opposition's arm with a better position. It's basically helping you become aware of the anatomy of how the bucklers work. And you're going to have, uh, this is going to enlighten us as to our targeting. And by the way, this was a favorite of the longtime hard man, uh, Charles Bronson. If you're an oldster, you're already in the camp and know what I mean. That's pretty damn impressive. And if uh, you're a youngster, you may not be aware of uh, this guy was uh, a hard man in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. This guy maintained a good deal of conditioning, uh, no needle uh, for a large part of his life. And uh, this is just one of the many exercises he also used uh, to stay in that kind of condition. Now, the second part, part two of our uh, Savage 7, we'll be talking about, we're going to continue on everything we learned about using those impact isometrics and move on to high ground and bare ground buckler attacks. And again, the buckler being the arms, you know, kill those arms and the body starts opening up. 
Uh, and again, with the information we gained off of doing those isometrics really helps us. Uh, high and bare ground attacks, I guess the best way to describe it without, you know, giving away all the candy in the store is to uh, think about this as the impatient form of Filipino gunting, where you're not really waiting for something to come to you. Someone's got good cover. You actually go to it and uh, you start destroying uh, the musculature and the bone right there. Uh, now, we'll cover the four standard tools to bang with uh, and the drills to implement both solo and, and partner. If you recall forever and ago, whenever uh, Chuck the Iceman Liddell, a formidable person, whenever a DJ, I forget the DJ's name, the DJ said, hey, punch him in the arm as hard as you can, wind up broken the guy's arm. Uh, basically, you, what you had there was a form of, uh, of uh, a bare ground attack. And again, that's on uh, uh, the, uh, this particular volume as well. In part three, uh, we'll be discussing, we're starting getting into the world of uh, leg dives. There's the old school pugilism, old school rough and tumble. There's the leg dive, and then this eventually morphed into what we think of now as uh, double and single leg takedowns. And double leg and single leg takedowns are great. There's lots of wonderful scramble material in there, and, but they are really, really drill intensive, uh, uh, cardio intensive, uh, athletic skill intensive, and it's also meant to be in the sportive aspect. It's for people who know that the takedown is coming or part of the game because they know you're playing uh, the sport. Uh, side of it because often you're having to cover uh, what we call the open ground there's usually uh, you're in the, just just on the outside you're having to either if it, there is striking you're using the jab as the touch you can't touch him with the jab you're not going to shoot right if you can't touch him with the if you have to come from the outside position if the jab was the entry on it or just shoving and pushing the forehead that's not a leg dive that would be the double leg because you're going to have to make some penetration to move through leg diving is when we're assuming that we're already in a in a um, a, a range a little bit closer than this so it will come out of either it can come out of a clinch position it can come out of a shorter range punch so if i threw the hook now the hook says i'm in leg dive range the jab says i'm still a little bit on the outside i have to make some alterations and step leg diving assumes that you are there so it can be from that clinch and it doesn't have to be it could be a combative real rough and tumble street clinch or it can be a sportive clinch or we can also the uh, something shorter range shots the uh, uh, the hooks and uppercuts also assume that our footwork is there so leg diving is this a little bit more in range and we don't have to make some adjustments for the feet now there are really basically and again what we're doing in the black box is trying to refine things down make things less complicated and get right down to the real nitty-gritty so there's really only basically 10 ways to get to uh, uh the leg dive thing we're going to cover two super simple ones uh on this uh, on, on black box 21 uh, to get there and it's, it's so much of it has to do with again not the foot positioning anything at all it's it's more about this little bit of upsetting uh, it's tipping is uh, what it was called and then uh, where you put the head and then after that it's all about the gather now we know there's far more technique that goes into actually shooting so we're talking the uh, the double leg and the single leg etc that has to cover that uh, that open ground position leg diving calls for less so it's a quicker skill to pick up it's pretty damn slick and fun to have now we're going to move on to a, uh, number four of our Savage Seven. We'll, we'll, we'll hit the mat, and we're going to talk about an escape position. or just a, You can actually just use it as a conditioner if you want. We're going to talk about uh, hitting a switch. And the switch in standard wrestling, uh, we, we will, we'll talk about that. We're probably looking at the old school version, what was called a wrench uh, 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 switch. It could have, some had called it a snap switch, but a wrench is more uh, whatever I first encountered it. And it is one that every time this, this particular switch is hit, so both you're educating basically uh, all benign movements that we might see in the sport version nowadays had something mean and evil included within it. And in the wrench uh, switch, it's designed to, one, escape 
from an underneath position to create separation so you can go back to your feet because we're assuming you may not want to be there if someone got you down on the ground because we're, we're just not tar- uh, starting in this down position uh, in a sportive sense just someone got you there you need to get back up and go hmm didn't care for that or and or while you're doing either one if you're doing sport this wrench switch will also allow you to uh, spin back in turn and face uh, you can go behind with it if you want but that just continues on the uh, the grappling uh, mobius strip the wrench uh, switch was designed to uh, F up that shoulder and elbow all in one go while you were getting yourself out of it. You know, we'll, we'll cover that both solo and partner drills. The solo drill, if you can get that down to speed, then bam, you're, you're lickety split. Uh, you're good to go. Uh, part five of the Savage Seven will move on. Uh, it's a section that we're started adding to all the black boxes. We're calling it anti-JJ, and that's because it's not anti-JJ in the sense anti-dogma or, hey, this stuff doesn't work. No, we include this section because it does work. Jiu-Jitsu's wonderful. It works. It's absolutely fantastic, and anyone who th- uh, uh, thinks it doesn't work is just being foolish. But what we want to do if we're primarily want to play rough and tumble in old school and our, and our, our particular flavor is uh, Western martial arts. We, want, we value the top gainer. Uh, to a good degree we want to make sure that we're re-engineering how we play our particular game towards that uh, 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 jiu-jitsu so it doesn't uh, again it's not coming from the dogmatic uh, us versus them mindset it's coming from the mindset of a good deal of healthy respect how can we alter the game that we already love and play to play against that game without having to go in and adopt a, a full Full base. Since we know one of the main ideas of uh, jujitsu, since it's basically we'll take it, we'll we'll call it, you know, judo, where you're primarily uh, working more back work. We're going to go through uh, to start passing that guard or thwarting that guard, and uh, and they're also not. This isn't just. It can be used for sportive work in this section, but it's also meant to be quick passes, so you can also treat this as uh, uh, street work. And there's really. Only, even though this is a guy right here, we, we've got a, a, a Paladin product, and it's on our page uh, called the, the Greatest. Uh, I'm sorry, busting the legs, man. That's like six hours of some uh, really meticulous guard passing. Well, I'm going to tell you, within the Black Box Project program, we say there's really only one fistful of passes, really five total. Now, there's going to be subdivisions with those, but they don't add up to five, six hours, not at all. And this on this volume, we're going to cover uh, one of them. We're going to talk about drag passing. We're going to give you two classes of them. And talk about how these works. Really, the first one we show because it's so easy to get the idea down. I mean, and it gets everybody out of the idea thinking that you need to stack and do all sorts of stuff or expose your head too much. We'll talk about the hip crease knife entry, three finger gripping, the drag, do not lift, do not stack, and do not drive. You're just aiding and abetting the person who's using the guard. We'll talk about the cram and the harness and far hand pelvic grips, etc. But drag passing is the way to go. Really, basically, only five. You don't really need much more than that. Unless, uh, again, we're talking about where the, the ground and, and, and grappling is your passion. You want to know every move there ever is. Here we're talking about black box. We're really you know, dialing down to the essentials. Uh, on the part uh, six of our Savage Seven, we'll be delving into more uh, more planes knife. If you saw our last one, we talked about Comanche ambush tactics here. We're still talking uh, planes knife, but here we're attacking from the frontal position. And we're going to discuss the concept, and I'm not going to bore you with the uh, try and give you the mouthful that is uh, the word called attacking above the bone shield. Now, planes knife work is brutal, pragmatic, quick, efficient. Uh, it, it just gets the job done. And the beautiful thing about it, whether your your knife is the uh, a 
a bone knife, whether it's one that you've you've flaked yourself uh, uh, from stone or you've got uh, the, the most beautiful K-bar in the world, it's going to work with any of them. That's the beauty of it. It's up to the technician and not the uh, the technical the the tool within your hand. We'll discover uh, discuss the weapon hand positioning, uh, the grip. The offhand, which is a.k.a. throat bone, which I love that, will define what the bone shield is, and we'll discuss the upright target. Now, there's many other targets we'll get to, but really, if you get down to this, this was the one you looked for. And then after that, we'll discuss drifting targets because we got to compensate for reality. There's something that happens whenever people hit stances that makes targets shift. And it's amazing to me that the uh, uh, the plane's knife took this into account almost immediately. Now, I would highly suggest taking a listen to the one where we discussed the, the aspects what Francis Parkman observed on the Oregon Trail with the buffalo hunt and, and use it the small knife. Uh, the taking account for drifting targets is a gorgeous, beautifully ingenious way to uh, account for how reality works. We'll discuss the three above the bone shield thrust and, you know, testing the three to power. Make sure uh, we're not falling prey to just what we think is going to happen out of our flow drills and working uh, uh, work, work in the air and, and post, right? Now, part seven, as we round this thing out on uh, Black Box 21, if you're combat only, you, you can skip this part. Uh, for some time, we know that uh, this old man has been getting more and more into the esoteric uh, ways of, you know, we're talking scout craft. We're talking about some unusual pr uh, practice I do every single morning, sometimes before sunrise, sometimes right at uh, sunrise. It's called the Tsukito uh, session. It takes me approximately... 10, 15 minutes. Hell, I don't know. I don't really time it, so that's an estimation. It's kind of a, a centering or awakening uh, portion. It's not meditation. I can tell you that. It's not a turning inward whatsoever. It's many ways to start turning outward. And uh, there's a base uh, program for a, a base method for it. And uh, this this isn't it, but after that, you move almost every, you move all these sessions immediately into a brief stroll, a brief walk. Sometimes it's a quadrupedal uh, walk. Sometimes it's a climb. Uh, it's always done in a contemplative mash, uh, fashion, but each one of them has a particular focus to them, if you will, for to create an intentional set or a movement set or an aliveness to it. And here we're going to be addressing the root of that, which is called Tubonito uh, Nemeto, which in essence translates to the walk of attention. Now, this opening salvo instruction is a bit esoteric, and frankly, it's a bit basic, but it is foundational practice upon which a staggering array of further sensory awakening practices will be built. Uh... Again, this is what we're plan is right now for the black box as we continue on getting down that nitty gritty is we'll roll them out of Savage Sevens, keep running through these standard classes as we move through, you know, the conditioning and the striking and the make a, uh, the, the nitty gritty grappling, uh, always always some uh, weapons work. And uh, you just try and start folding in there for those of us out there who want to keep an alive and situational awareness without it always being just about I know where all the exits are, something about I'm seeing everything all the time. At least that should be the goal. Again, crew, if you're interested in that, I'll put the link in there as well. But that's going to be Raw 233, Black Box 21, if you want the actual physical demonstrations of how these things are done. Or just get down in the next uh, podcast will be less this uh, kind of quasi-sales pitch and back more to informational content. Here's hoping. Take care of yourself, crew. Have a fine weekend. Like, share, subscribe to the podcast and all that noise or whatever the hell you want. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics.
Thank you.